0: Uh, We're not too far out from Anzac Day now and uh, a lot of reflection happening around the mainstream media, a lot of reflection happening because it's such a significant national event for us. Uh, There'll be a lot of people talking about the issues of Anzac Day. So a focus on Anzac issues today and particularly some of the virtues of the Anzacs, some of those things that are part of our heritage. What have we learned from the Anzacs? Issues like courage, mateship, sacrifice and endurance. These are the topics of our conversation through this next hour. And opening our talkback lines, if you would like to be a part of our conversation, your thoughts on our heritage and what we've learned from the Anzacs, and to uh, help us through some of these issues, uh, to uh, take your calls and to reflect on some of the things that you might share too. Cole Stringer is joining us today, preacher and best-selling author. Uh, When he's not on the international stage, he has an absolute passion for the Australian outback Always love his sentiments when it comes to the issues of being Australian And so let us welcome uh, Cole Stringer Hello Cole, welcome back G'day Neil, how are you? I'm really well, Cole Uh, Cole, you cut your teeth not writing about Christian uh, issues and about uh, the Anzacs But about fishing (laughs) That's right (laughs) Your dad was a hunter You were born in the outback There's something special about that heritage yourself Uh, When it came to writing about these issues About the Anzacs And uh, a number of books that you've written uh, Lots of them The Anzac Spirit And The Spirit of the Light Horse And your 800 Horsemen And your book on Fighting Mackenzie These are fabulous books which have actually helped to shape the way as Australians we actually see something of our heritage and some of those virtues that have come out of the Anzac spirit. When you started writing about those things, there wasn't much else around. You must have seen uh, there was a, a, a niche there that, that needed to be filled, uh, something of a vacuum. The people weren't writing about these things, but they're so important to us as a nation. Well, yeah, I didn't write uh,
1: because I'm a historian or anything else. These just things that, uh, you know... Grab my attention, my interest, my own family. My grandfather broke horses for the light horse. Uh, my great uncle, his brother, had three horses shot from underneath him in the battle at, battles to liberate the city that Jesus is coming back to. That's not New York. No, that's Jerusalem. So when I started to read these in family, you know, our family history books, I knew nothing about it whatsoever. And because of that generation, the way they'd suffered, they didn't talk about it much either. So. My dad probably knew less than what I did. So I really had
0: to start, you know, to research it, dig it out for myself. Well, what I like about the things you talk about, the things you write about, is it's not just a mechanical historical perspective because you're actually taking another step forward from just the historical events and you're reflecting on those in light of God's word, in light of the gospel, in light of who it is that we are as Australians today. So uh, you're taking into, uh, into account a whole lot of different dimensions and that's what people are uh, impressed about, I think, when they, when they hear, of, oh, what's Cole Stringer got to say about this? Because reflecting on those things is an important part of understanding them. Well, just from a real uh, day-to-day,
1: like where I would say the average bloke, like uh, I've been attacked a few times by, you know, these academics, more degrees than a thermometer, you know, and I don't mean to be rude, but reading their books is like reading a telephone book. Like, it just doesn't gel. I mean, it's over the top of the average man's head. So I'm just talking about, you know, from a realistic, from my own point of view, you know, from my family's point of view, from the average bloke in the street. You know, what what, what does all Anzac mean? What what can we learn from our Anzac forefathers? Like, just getting through, if I can just say the bull, and let's get down to reality, to an average. What does this really mean my? I have a grandson in the army. Second one's about to go into the army. So, you know, these are relevant for my family, for my children, for my grandchildren. So uh, I don't claim to
0: be a historian. This is just things that passionately interest me you are aware though of the way things have changed over these past decades and we're talking now a hundred years uh, since our Anzacs arrived there at Gallipoli uh, so in a hundred years things have changed uh, people um, are people are rewriting the history and almost uh, putting our 21st century culture upon what those Anzacs at uh, Gallipoli might well have been like there are there have obviously got to be some differences though do you reflect on that that, the the change that's happened over the whole length of a century? Well, what saddens me sometimes, that
1: often, or shouldn't say often, sometimes the most vitriolic attack actually comes from people within the church. And uh, like we shouldn't be glorifying Anzac, that's glorifying war. Uh, you know, as Christians, we need to be pacifist. I don't find that in the Bible. I don't find it in the New Testament. Paul talks about fight the good fight of faith. He talks about endure Hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He talks about, you know, the armor of God, salute your brother. All of those are military terms. In fact, uh, if it's so wrong to defend your home and your family, how come the only man that Jesus ever commended for his faith was a Roman army officer? Uh, You know, if it's so wrong, surely Jesus should have ticked him off big time instead of holding up as an example. He says to the disciples, I haven't found faith anywhere in Israel like this man. Cornelius was a Roman army officer you'll find that uh, everywhere in scripture that the Roman centurions are actually you know, used in a positive not a negative so surely Jesus would have to have enough sense if it's wrong then why didn't he tick these people off and uh, like uh, I-, I find anyway that uh, one of the things that you know it's to do with the motivation like I've got my new book here on the Anzac spirit and here let me just read you just a little bit of a quote, if I can find this. Uh, this is talking about Kokoda. It says, these men were fighting for their homes, fighting to stop the Japanese getting any closer, fighting to keep their loved ones safe. Someone had to do it, and it was them. There was nothing else they could do but get on with it. So, you know, it begins to talk about motivation. We were talking earlier, you know, I think it was about Levis There's 6,000 Japanese coming up the Kokoda track. There's hundred and ten Australians that all that stand between them, and overrunning, you know, in, in maybe into Port Moresby, and so uh, you know it's the first defeat ever inflicted on by the Japanese imperial Japanese land forces it was not by the Americans, and I'm not any American, you know, but it was by Australians at a place called Milne Bay. My, my father fought at Milne Bay, so he got these Aussies, young Aussies, and so the later on, years later, when the war's over, and they. There's a reunion between the Japanese and the, 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 you know, the survivors, of, survivors of Kokoda. The Japanese could never accept there was merely 110 Australians at one stage standing between them. They thought at least 1,000, maybe 2,000 people. So don't, don't you think that's the goodness of God, the grace of
0: God you know, that saved our nation? Well, we'll be talking some more about this motivation of the heart because uh, this is a part of when we start to talk about courage, uh, where does that courage come from? Uh, Where does that mateship come from as sacrifice and endurance? And inviting listeners to be a part of our conversation today, you might have your own thoughts on our heritage that we have from the Anzacs, Uh, issues like courage, mateship, sacrifice and endurance. Perhaps you've got a perspective too on whether uh, Christians uh, ought to be going to war as uh, we reflect on what uh, Cole's saying. I mean, some people will say that Christians ought to be pacifist only and glorifying war is something we ought to avoid. Is that something that you'd like to comment on? You can do our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316 to be a part of our conversation today. Cole, let me just ask you, because uh, one of the books that you wrote uh, all about fighting Mackenzie. Now, when we talk about an intersection of Christian faith and uh, fighting on the front lines, uh, fighting Mackenzie was a true example of what it was to be a, a warrior at heart as a Christian leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a tremendous individual your thoughts on fighting Mackenzie and some of these virtues we're talking about well here you got a man
1: ex-stockman from bunderberg most of the young guys like gallipoli were 17 18 19, some as young as 15 but Mackenzie's in his mid-40s he's already you know a middle-aged man but he serves four years in frontline combat buried alive on several occasions you know but Four years in frontline combat. You th- you think about that, you know, as a middle-aged man. And uh, I just like his motivation, you know, love for the Lord, love for Jesus, but love for these young men. You know, at the charge on the neck where we lost, uh, you know, what, a couple of, hundred, well, a lot of men in, you know, in that uh, hideous campaign, and the first two waves have gone over and been shot down, and Mackenzie's in the frontline trenches, uh, you know, again, I've got the diaries from the Salvation Army, and he, you know, he's talking to the young men in the command. Well, the sergeant comes up and he says, Chaplain, you're not even supposed to be here. Get out. Chaplain's not even supposed to be in the front line. And Mackenzie, you know, six foot three, ex-stockman gets up and he says, Sir, I'm not a rebellious person, but sometimes you have to answer to a higher authority and you're not it. Well, I'd follow a man like that. He says, what sort of a man would I be, or a father or a friend if I let these young men die, you and I both know they're going to die, what you know, what would it be sort of a person if I let them die on their own? He turns to them and says, I've lived with you and I've eaten with you, I've prayed with you, I'm not afraid to die with you. When the whistle blows and you go over the top I'll be alongside of you. So he goes over with them, badly wounded, but lives to survive to win the military cross and summoned to Buckingham Palace by King George himself. Uh, you know, that, that's an example, you know, the Bible does say greater lovers know men than he lay down his life for his friends not just inconvenience yourself. You know, and I don't mean to be rude, but, you know, in these days, I mean, we're in love with our mirrors and if anybody else fell in love with us, we'd get jealous. You know, it shows something about true sacrifice, about laying down your life. You know, Paul talks about in the last days, what will be the predominant sign? Forget 666 and the stormtroopers are coming, you know, as (laughs) it seems to be the blood moons and everything today. But actually, Paul says men will be lovers of themselves. And this is virtually the age of dysfunctional families, breakdown in relationships, because it's all about me and I. We even have things called iPhones and iPads because it's all about me, you know. So what can we learn from our Anzac forefathers? We can learn something about courage and mateship and sacrifice and endurance. You know, those things we are fast losing from, from our, you know, from our nation. I mean it's the glue whatever whatever way the family goes so goes the nation and you and I both know in these last days it's going to take courage to be a Christian they paint us now as we're all racists or idiots or something else to so even believe such a thing so it's going to take courage to stand up for your family for your home for your belief for your faith it's going to take mateship to lay down your life for your friends not just inconvenience but lay down your life That
0: Jesus said that I didn't say that We have our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You might like to be a part of our conversation. What's your contribution to this conversation today? We're talking about courage, mateship, sacrifice, endurance. And what have we learned from the heritage that we have from the Anzacs, uh, Cole? Interesting when you reflect on these things, and we're talking today about what we learned from the Anzacs, uh, as perhaps as as Christians, as as a nation of Australia. There is a sense, isn't there, too? And what did the Anzacs learn from? God from the principles from the scriptures because as I often reflect on this and just to set that scene I often say that you know when Richard Johnson as the first chaplain arrived on our uh, shores and uh, led the first church service after the first fleet arrived uh, in that uh, 130 140 years beyond that uh, so successful was the evangelization of Australia that almost every person uh, in the early 20th century ticked the box uh, saying Christian and almost everyone went to church. Uh, So when we talk about our Anzacs off to Gallipoli, uh, everyone there basically was influenced by the things of God, influenced by the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, What are your thoughts on on how they were influenced by the Christian culture in society back in that day? Well, every
1: every trooper was issued with a leather-bound New Testament. Uh, My grandfather was given one. I still have a copy of it. Let let me give you an example. Here, like uh, there was a gospel that stopped the bullet. It's actually still now in the Canberra War Memorial. It talks about here, uh, let me quote it for you, on Gallipoli the Turks were shelling the Anzacs with a German 75 millimetre field guns, each high explosive shell packed with 300 lethal lead balls. One of these exploded where, this guy's called Elvis Jenkins, where Elvis was working, releasing a lethal, myth, lethal missile which struck him directly over the heart. Fortunately, the young Aussie, Christian Digger, was carrying his New Testament in his shirt pocket at the time, and the lead ball pierced through the pages all the way to the, the Book of Revelation. Now, well, that's yeah. in the Canberra War Memorial
0: today for all the sceptics out there that believe you're just making things up. <laughs> and and some will say, well, they were given a New Testament. Uh, but did they read it? Uh, you know, there's uh, obviously some who wouldn't have read it, but... But it was there, and I guess sure. uh, that old saying there are no atheists in foxholes uh, might have held true for our Anzacs who are facing death maybe the next day or the day after. Uh, that word of God might be very important to them. Well, you know, the common
1: idea that uh, you know the diggers were all hard-drinking, hard-swearing, uh, my dad wasn't a Christian until the last 10 years of his life. But you know that movie on Kokoda, they're using four-letter th- four words and all that? My dad said, they never spoke like that. They never swore like that. He said, I I never even heard blokes use that sort of language. You know, here, even on Kokoda, just thinking about that, because, you know, Gallipoli sums up the First World War, but Kokoda really is our Alamo, our Gallipoli of the Second World War. And, uh, you know, it's interesting here because a couple of the commanding officers on Kokoda, one was Ralph Honna, the other guy, I'm just trying to think of his name here, uh, anyway, were, were born-again Christians. Here, Ralph Honor, this is how it's described. It talks about he was brave, too <clears throat> brave, the guy says here, at heart of romantic, deeply religious, never missed church. The other guy was George Vassie. And it says here, it was actually um, uh, uh, a story on him in the Woman's Weekly, 1945. It says, the the first thing I do is call for the casualty list and go to my tent to be alone with God and my conscience. He talks about praying for these young men. He says, I don't have the wisdom to handle a situation. I have to hear from God. So if all these guys were just so hard drinking, hard swearing, but you get down to the nitty gritty here. Listen to one young man. This is a letter that he writes. I pray a lot. I believe in prayer. I know my mum and dad are praying for me, and that helps a lot. Of course, I've got my mates. And when you've got good mates, you don't leave them. It's a brotherhood. We got a message from Port Moresby yesterday, we have to stay here and fight to the death. How do you feel at 17 years getting that? Mm. That's horrifying, I thought. I'll never see my family again. I'll never see Australia again. But I'm prepared to stay here with the rest of us, with my mates, and fight to the finish because that's my responsibility as the man of the family. Helping you make sense of life,
0: culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. And we're talking about those issues or those thoughts that you might have on our heritage. Uh, that come from the Anzac spirit, uh, courage, mateship, sacrifice and endurance. Our special guest this hour is Cole Stringer, preacher and best-selling author. You can be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Cole, uh, let's talk about these virtues and what really undergirds those. And uh, we started talking about uh, motivation there in our first segment. But uh, really it's the motivation of the heart uh, that brings forth these virtues in our lives uh, and there are a lot of other things that can come from the motivations of our heart it really is important to talk about how you get the motivation right uh what uh, gelled my interest in this
1: was after the uh after the second world war and there was a reunion between the survivors on the japanese side for kokoda and some of the australian veterans and uh, this japanese officer who talks about he says i couldn't believe the difference he says you know one uh, Bruce Kingsbury comes charging into the Japanese with wearing a pair of shorts, that's all he's got on, and takes out 30 Japanese, one man. And he says, I, I don't think the Japanese could have done that. He says, but the difference was the motivation. He says, we were fighting for emperor, for, you know, and he says, but this young Australian was fighting for family. And uh, one of the quotes from Kokoda is that I'd like to be remembered as men that stood up for their homes, their families. Now, whether it was right or wrong, whether the Japanese were going to invade Australia, that's what they believed at the time. And uh, I I love it says here, you know, the difference of the motivation. Some fight for money, or that's a mercenary, or for fame, but others fight for family. And I believe that's a biblical principle because in, uh, I love Nehemiah chapter 4, and, you know, the heritage of the nation's been in ruins for 150 years, and God speaks to just one man, Nehemiah, And stands him, he says, stand the men in front of their own families. Uh, If I got to hear, he says, um, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13, Therefore I position men behind the lower parts of the walls at the openings. Now set the people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I said, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome. And fight for your brothers and fight for your sons and fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives and fight for your homes. Now, if that is against scripture, how come God uses it as the motivation? You know, interesting word. same in Paul talks about, later he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, eight. he says, if anyone doesn't provide for his own family, he's denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever. Now, the key word there is the word provide, pronoio in Greek. Now, if you get your, you know, Strong's, it just gives you a couple of words, but if you go a lot, little deeper and actually begin to go to the depth of understanding of that word, here's what it means actively. It says here, Uh, To look out for, to defend actively if necessary, to procure supplies or means of defense to take measures for counteracting or escaping every evil. So Paul's saying if you don't actually provide for your family, not just clothes and food, but actively defend your
0: family, you're worse than an infidel. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I didn't say that. That's what Paul writes. That's right. Let's talk about what's coming up on the twenty fifth, uh, Anzac Day, the centenary anniversary of our diggers arriving there at Gallipoli. Uh, you were hoping to go to Gallipoli this year. Uh, you better, uh, you better just give us a, a bit of an idea what you're doing instead. Well, uh, something like forty five thousand
1: people applied for, I think, to seventeen thousand positions. You know, for the Anzac service. Man, I wanted to go. I was a cruise, everything. So I did everything I, you know, applied <laughs> properly, and I'll just be honest—I <laughs> pulled every string I could, uh, uh, you know, despite praying about it. But I never got a guernsey, so I spat the dummy. I did. I just—I'll be honest—I spat the dummy. You know. <laughs> anyway, a few weeks later, I get a phone call from Planet Shakers in Melbourne, nine thousand young people asking if I'll come and do four services on the Anzac Sunday. So I, I believe that's God, you know, I really do. I mean, if I had gone to Gippsley, I couldn't have done that. So, hey, on uh, Anzac Sunday, the day be after Anzac Day, the Sunday,
0: <clears throat> going to be down speaking at Planet Shakers in Melbourne. A great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not the only church in Australia that's doing some amazing things in the lead up to Anzac Day, drawing attention. Uh, to some of these biblical foundations, uh, and we talk about courage, mateship, sacrifice, endurance. Uh, the Bible is full of great wisdom and stories that, that promote those virtues in the life of every individual. But uh, there's also a church in Brisbane, the City Point Church, that's uh, doing some amazing things uh, on the 19th of this month. That's the week before that's right. uh, Anzac Day. What are they doing? Uh, we're doing two services there in the morning, but we're having light horsemen
1: there in full uniform, you know, authentic historical uniform, the plumes, rifles, flags, horses, the whole kit and caboodle. Not bringing the, ch- the, the horses into the church, they'll be outside. <laughs> <Can> <laughs> i get in along to that church, it's big enough to get the horses in there. I, can I tell you a little story <laughs> about that? Sure. Because a few years ago we actually did one in Melbourne where we actually took the horse inside. And I I pleaded with the pastor, the lady pastor. I said, no, you don't want – she said, I want the horse to come in. I said, no, you don't. She said, I do. And as soon as we got in there, now the horse had had an enema and everything, you know, to prepare this. And, but as soon as we, I could see the eyes of the horse because of the people and the lights, you know, it got scared and the – <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't have to clean the church up But I couldn't help laughing at the pastor's face You know, the poor old horses messing all over the carpet <laughs>
0: Uh, uh, anyway, uh, you to have a well, sense of humour. <laughs> Some of our listeners might have a, an encouraging story to offer as well. Yes. Our talk back line open on one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. 316 316 If you'd like to contribute to our conversation today, our special guest is Cole Stringer. Cole, let's talk about courage, about mateship, sacrifice and endurance. Uh, you've taken time in your book, The Anzac Spirit, uh, to really... Uh, to really unpack what those really mean. And it's very easy just to roll those words uh, off our lips and say courage, mateship, sacrifice and endurance, but the, the loaded meaning of those words, very, very powerful. I'm wondering sometimes if we even understand what those words mean anymore. Like
1: let's take courage. Does that mean an absence of fear? It doesn't mean that. It actually, if we've never had fear, we're either liars or had of a lobotomy. Everybody's experienced fear, but it's actually talking about, you know, that you just do it even if you've got to do it scared. Suck it up, tough it out, and do it even if you have to do it scared. That's courage. These young men would have experienced fear. They would have been shaking with fear. But you do it because I believe that's what's required of you. You know, courage, as I say there, interesting word. But the Bible is full of courage. God has not given us a spirit of fear, of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Um, you know there's one passage in Deuteronomy chapter 20 it says when uh, in fact I should have bought the Bible and read it but it actually talks about don't tremble when you're facing these enemies these hordes of enemies don't tremble don't be afraid the Lord your God will fight for you against your enemies so the the Bible is actually full of, you know of courage talking about courage and as I say I think that's the you know the just the responsibility you know of standing up for what What you believe is right. You know, I talk to go to schools and, you know, places like that, universities, and I ask the young generation, what can we learn from our Anzac forefathers? Well, first of all, we can learn something about courage. You know, our nation may not be in the threat of invasion by the Japanese, but our nation is under threat. I was just listening this morning, they're talking about the ice epidemic. You know, uh, Prime Minister Abbott is now talking about a, a national group because it could actually destroy the very fabric of our society. So it's going to take courage in these last days to say no to drugs. It's going to take courage to stand up for your Christian faith, trying to make us all look like we're racist or, you know, just like idiots because of what we believe. It's going to take courage to stay married. It's going to take courage to stand up for your family. So, you know, it's a different point, but our nation is under threat. It may be a spiritual thing, but we still need that courage
0: to stand up, speak up, refuse to shut up. 1 800 316 316. You might have some thoughts on what courage is required in this day. Let's hear from one of our listeners, Shelby in Brisbane. Hello, Shelby. Welcome along to 2020.
2: Yes, uh, good morning. Um, uh, I'd like to say a quick hello to uh, Cole, Cole Stringer. Mate, um, I was uh, in the congregation at um, uh, Garden City uh, Christian Church, now Hill Songs. Um, many years ago, and Cole was a guest, a speaker, and it was just um, so great to hear his voice, as it is so great to hear his voice again. Um, He may recall one of his... um, He was talking about the horse in the uh, church, and uh, he may recall um, his embarrassing time at the... um, He uh, had told us all uh, at the turntables at a... uh, minister's uh, convention, I think it was, uh, in America that he went to. I remember that, uh, Joby. I remember that.
1: <laughs> I remember that very, very I well.
2: I told people about um, uh, the Outback Cowboy uh, Preacher <laughs> 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 and his embarrassing moment at the turntable, You've
0: got to let us all in on it now.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, you know, what actually happened is he, he was asked to um, uh, buy some gifts for his family one was a Smith Western uh, a whip uh, for a horseman and family, I think. And uh, the other one was um, well, he's a daughter, I think. Or, yes, it
1: was, uh, my daughter. Yes, your daughter. Some negligees uh, and underwear. And negligee.
2: <laughs> yes, and, and uh, appar- you know, um, apparel sort of thing for her wedding uh, or for her honeymoon or whatever it was. Anyway, um, he, he said the um, turntables turn waiting for the pa- baggage and that to come around. There's about 20-odd uh, ministers and um, lo and behold, the uh, suitcase comes around and falls off the turntable, snaps open and, of course, laying there is the um, lingerie and the... The whip, whip.
1: and the undies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that I, I wanted the earth to open up and swallow me up, Shelby. That's uh, right, yeah, <laughs> you would
2: to crawl under the underneath or whatever it was, but, uh, yeah. And, and I think your words were somewhere along the line, too cold... Um, uh, some guy come along and said, oh, groovy, man. And you were right in front
1: of all your friends, your <laughs> yeah. ministers. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember it was a black preacher actually came by and he says, a, a, you know, groovy. <laughs> cool, man, cool, or something like that. And I thought, oh, I need this like a the head. I was thinking next day, because I had to minister to these people, I'm thinking, no one's going to believe me. All they're going to remember is a whip in the undies. Who's going to believe me? It's innocent. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but
2: I, mean to, I mean to say, mate, um You know, your word is pathetic. Uh, I love what you do and what you say and and the things that, uh, you know, I've um, kept touch, you know, following you a little bit around the the countryside. And, um, yeah, mate, I'd love to see you come back to Hillsongs and, uh, and, you know, do another um, uh, um, call-in on us one day.
1: I'd love to, Um, too.
2: Yes, I'll have to talk to
0: Pastor Shelby. Great to hear from you. Thanks so much for your input today here on 2020. It's Neil with you on 2020. We're talking courage, mateship, sacrifice, and endurance. Some of these virtues that we learn from the Anzacs. You can be a part of our conversation. Our talkback line open on 1 800 316 316. Cole Stringer, preacher and best selling author, our guest this hour. Let's hear from Glad in Mossman. Hello, Glad. Welcome along.
3: Yes, it's good to have this opportunity to uh, thank you for your program, but I've especially wanted to phone, to talk with Carl, just to say thank you for the how much his two books that we've read, uh, Discovering Australia's Christian Heritage and 800 Horsemen, what they've meant to my husband who just can't be here. I'm ringing. I know he'd want me to. Um He's at men's shed and doesn't get home till another half hour. And uh, yeah, it's great to uh, have that influence in our lives. He thought he, being Australian from birth and all, didn't have the heritage that I'd had, being brought up in America. But he learned from these books that he could be really proud of Australia's Christian heritage. And so we came back, and we've been back, uh, oh, seven, eight years uh, to stay, and we love it, and we're so grateful uh, for his better understanding of the Australian Christian heritage.
0: Thanks thanks for that, Glad. I that, uh, appreciate that. Yeah glad you are american and uh, and so your husband who was aware of the american uh, heritage uh, and a very strong Christian heritage in the US. He had felt as though there wasn't much of a Christian heritage in Australia. Uh, so uh, so he's been inspired by these writings and this is uh, what has come to life in the Australians uh, yes. and, and particularly looking at what Cole's written and uh, reflecting on some of these things which heavily involves a focus on the Anzacs. It really yes. does help to see uh, the shaped character coming from a Christian foundation.
3: Yes, and... We're extremely grateful um, to exalt the Lord as He does, and uh, that a lot of our forebears uh, loved the Lord more too than maybe this present day. Uh, we've taken as our uh, motto, uh, as it were, um, for our marriage 60 years later this year, and uh, as happy and glad, and the verse. Uh, Psalm 34, verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And uh, so we've called ourselves a uh, nickname, Happy and Glad.
0: <laughs> That's good. That's well, good. Glad, just so glad that you called. Uh, thank you so much and congratulations. Did you say 60 mm-hmm. years later this year, your yeah, anniversary? the last
3: day of the year. Wow. We got married at, uh, at midnight uh, December 31st, 1955, in Indianapolis, Indiana.
0: That's wow. Wonderful. Well, That's glad. Great. Thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. Really appreciate uh, hearing from you. And you can be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. We're talking about these virtues, the heritage that we have, uh, that comes from the Anzacs, also talking about the heritage that the Anzacs had in the Christian culture that was so strong around the time of the First World War and, of course, uh, continued through uh, the, uh, those times in the 20th century. And and some would say, uh, Cole Stringer, that uh, you know, things are lessening and lessening uh, by way of Christian influence today here in the 21st century. It is something that is a concern for us. Well, definitely,
1: I, I believe that. That's why... As I mentioned before, I think it'll take courage for us to stand up for what we believe. You know, as we talked about before about uh, responsibility, like I was just thinking about this, the last thing Jesus ever did on the cross was actually provide for his mother. The last thing he ever did was take care of his family. That was his family at the time. He's hanging on the cross, remember, and he says to John, from now on, this is your responsibility. Here's your mum. Is right, So we can really learn that, as I say here. It comes down even to mateship. We were talking about that before. I've got a quote here from Gordon Moyes. I know he just passed on. But he wrote about mateship here. He says, ''Mateship was a fabric that joined people like us as opposed to them. Australian mateship was fused in the fire on Gallipoli, in the mud of Flanders, on the Wallaby Track during the Depression, among the rats of Trubrook and on the Kokoda Trail. For many, mateship became the most important of all relationships.'' The early Christians found a a friendship so close and tight it was like nothing that had existed before. As is a quote from J. B. Phillips, Phillips' translation Mm -hmm. of the Bible. It says here, "What we are seeing here in the early church, valiant and unspoiled, ordinary men and women gathered together in a unique fellowship, an unconquerable fellowship, never seen on the earth before." Note the words "unconquerable fellowship." We still call any gathering within a church a fellowship, but what? when that term was used in the New Testament, it meant a close mateship of those who would give themselves in their lives for each other. So we began to see that with the Anzacs. You know, sadly, I don't mean to harp on it, but, you know, I've had probably 100 military guys in my church in the United States and here. I've never heard one say i found the same level of mateship in the church i found in the military. We lay our lives down for each other. Wouldn't it be wonderful, you know, if we actually began to see that in the church Lay down your life for your friend, your mate. Not inconvenience yourself. Lay down your life for your friends. Think about it. Paul talks about Onesiphorus. He talks about Ephrodites. Who are these blokes? I mean, their names are in the Bible. Your name and my name might be in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's not in the Bible. Their names are in the Bible for eternity. So you get up to heaven. You meet Onesiphorus and Ephrodites, you know, these blokes. And you say, well, what did you do to get your name in the Bible? You're the great preacher. no. What did you do? They were friends to Paul. They were mates to Paul. Paul talks about that and this I think it was Sought Me Out in Rome when I was in chains, he says, you know that was you know a threat to his own life. He said he was not ashamed, but sought me out. Ephrodite, same thing. He says if he died, Paul says, I would have had sorrow upon sorrow. He says, Hold such men in high esteem. Uh, we well, I don't even think we understand the word mate anymore. It's hijacked by the media. It's hijacked by politicians. But think about that. Lay down his life for his friends. You know, my wife, and she won't like this. She's not listening, but she won't like it. But she showed me Hi, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> You know, sometimes nice. I yeah. think women have a, more of an understanding than men do. Mm. Now, uh, one of her closest friends was dying of cancer. So she goes to visit her, and she rings me up, and she's crying, and she said, uh one of my best friends dying and there's no one here with her, so she said I asked the doctor to wheel another bed into the ward, and she said I'm not coming home till my friend dies because I don't want to die on her own. So she rings me at three o'clock in the morning, crying, and she says I'm sitting on my bed here. With my, one of my best friends goes off to heaven, and she said, you know, she said it shouldn't be like that. You know, where's the family? You know, and how sad is that that we live in an age of you know, relationship deficits. You know that friendship, real... I mean, most people don't even have someone they could call as a close friend. It's associates. Most of us don't even know our next-door neighbours. But in these days, these young men lay their lives down. On Kokodal, I think it was Isharava, the battle starts, and 30 of them are going, one's got his arm blown off, some are blind, shot up. As soon as the fighting starts, they turn, they go back. And the medical officer says, you can't do that. And I said, you never leave a mate. And so he says, well, half you couldn't even shoot, fight. And I said, yeah, but we can be there with our mates. We can load a gun. We can support. You never leave
0: a mate. Col, is this something that you could reflect on in the 21st century and being able to tell these stories, saying that this concept, this idea, this understanding of mateship is something that we are largely losing because uh, I know a lot of men who don't have, A mate. Mm -hmm. I've heard you share on this sort of thing, uh, at different times as well. And uh, you have your own uh, personal friends who are really in that, uh, in the zone of being mates, not just acquaintances. Uh, Is this something in the twenty first century we've we've sort of lost? We need to actually get a hold of this again. Well, if I can be brutally frank, um,
1: it scares me. It's scary. uh, I think where we're actually heading as a nation. You know, if, if that's negative, we'll not just have to be negative, but. It does concern me. It scares me because, like I say, my mum and dad were married to each other for 72 years. So I'm talking to my dad and I'm saying, how is it possible? My dad was only a Christian 10 years. I said, how is it possible to stay married to the same lady for 72 years? (laughs) He looked at me and just said, learn to be less selfish. Just that one thing alone. You imagine that would halve the divorce rate. One thing, just learn to be less selfish. You know, in an age where we're in love with our mirrors, like I say here, you know, And uh, like I say to the young men or young people today, what can we learn? We can learn something about mateship, sacrifice, actually sacrifice, you know, in a generation that's never been called to make a a sacrifice in any way. So, you know, as I say here, uh, I think I've shared this with you before, but uh, I've got it here covered in my book. But there was a story on 60 Minutes, uh, an Aboriginal from Palm Island, Bill Coolborough, and an Aussie, Ocker Aussie, called Snowy Wilson, that served together in Vietnam and now years later you know they're still friends but Bill Kobara develops diabetes needs a kidney transplant so Snowy Wilson finds out rings him up and says you're my mate take my kidney you take anybody else's kidney you get a bunch of fives up to hooter now Ray Martin's on 60 Minutes is a few years ago now these two guys are lying side by side there's going to be a kidney transplant and so the surgeon pulls his mask off and he's got a tear in his eye and he says you know you've got something unique valuable he says with all of my money, with all of my, uh, you know, uh, um, influence, I don't have a friend at the drop of a hat would give me a kidney. And Snowy Wilson says, well, he's my mate. You know, it's my kidney. I'll give it to who I like. <laughs> like that. You know, and he says, we're mates. We've been mates. It's not the first time we face faced death together. I mean, he's an Aboriginal. The other bloke's an Okorozzi. You know, jet black here, Snowy Wilson. And he says, uh, the, the surgeon says, well, what about if the kidney transplant doesn't take? Oh, Snowy, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Thinks about it. And he says, "Well, I've only got one other one. I don't love him enough to give him that one as well." Yeah. I, just, I just like that. I just it like is. that humour. That's right. But you know, I think I told you, you know, years ago when I was doing the book on the Eight Hundred Horsemen, I, I met some of the blokes before they died in the 80s, you know, and one old light horseman told me, he says, I saw my mate shot off his horse. He said, against direct orders, you could be court-martialed. He said, I I wheeled my horse around. I'm galloping back, and through the dust and the smoke, I can see somebody laying on the ground. I grabbed him by the belt and swung him up. We galloped out. He says, when the dust settles, he says, I realized I picked up a Turk by mistake. I hit him (laughs) on the head with my gun, but went back to find my mate again. Well, I mean, how would you like to have a friend like that? At the drop of a hat... You know, I've got a best friend and, I, you know, I can't mention names, but I know because if I'm in a family problem, I ring up, I'm saying, oh, too closely involved. He said, I'll be on a plane tomorrow, three and a half hour flight. Do you have a friend like that? I'm talking to people out there. Do you have a friend like that? If you don't have a friend, you need to be a friend like that. So what can we learn from our Anzac forefathers? Let's cut off through all the bull. We can learn something about real mateship, laying down your life for your friends, sacrifice. In these last days, it's going to take mateship. It's going to take sacrifice. But I really believe your best mate after Jesus shouldn't be your spouse. should be, you know, that's what, you know, building. I learned more about marriage and family from my mum and dad than I ever learned from the church. And I'm not being critical of the church but you can be married two or three times today and have a couple of concubines and porcupines. Besides, nobody gives a rip. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> but that's the truth. Yeah. You know, we, on the Gold Coast, we see it, these blokes that dump their wives of 45, year, you know, and pick up two 20-year-olds now, you know, and they think they're cool. Stupid is a better description, mm. you know. And I say, I, what can I learn from my Anzac forefathers? Laying down your life. These young men, like it or not, right or wrong, believed they were defending their families, laying their lives down for their families. Listen to what one, what one man says. He, he actually says that, if I can find the quote here, I, I love it. He says here, <clears throat> the battle for Kokoda track is Australia's Alamo. If Gallipoli symbolizes the Anzac spirit in World War One, then Kokoda is its World War II equivalent. They died so young. They missed so much. They gave up so much, their hopes, their dreams, their loved ones, and they laid their lives down for their friends and for their family. Helping you make sense of life,
0: culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020. On Vision. It's Neil with you just a few minutes out from news. Uh, Cole Stringer, our guest, we've been talking about the Anzacs, those things we learn from the Anzacs, courage, mateship, sacrifice and endurance. Uh, Cole, uh, it is an important day and uh, it's the most important day, some will argue, in in our whole calendar. Uh, Why do you think as Aussies we we are so moved, uh, we are so motivated to think about Anzac Day as this most important day? Well, you th- think about this, Neil, you can go
1: anywhere you like in this country, the largest cities, Sydney, or you can go to the smallest country towns out back, Northern Territory, Elliot, places like that. There'll be a pub, there'll be a police station, but I guarantee there'll be an Anzac monument there somewhere. And on Anzac Day, there will be a group there. And I'm, I was thinking about this. It stops our nation. It's possibly as, uh, you know, as popular as, as Christmas, or the, even more than the Melbourne Cup, And I really believe it's something there that, see, there's hardly an Australian family that doesn't have some direct relationship to Anzac, to Gallipoli, to Kokoda, somewhere like that. And, you know, as I say, I go to schools and, you know, I've been in schools, you know, where the teacher said, if you can control these kids, you're better than I am. But I talk about the Anzacs and you can hear a pin drop and I can see it touches their hearts. It's a heart thing. You know, they've heard stories about their great grandfathers or whatever. It touches the heart virtually possibly most of our families and as I say here I, I believe it's, it's a spiritual thing I, you know as I say think about it, it you know it stops our nation I saw John Howard when he was prime minister and he was on Gallipoli and he said you know I don't understand it he said 20 years ago, we wouldn't have had 500 people, now 17,000 people destroying the vegetation. They think they'll have to have a ballot system for the young people. Young people making a pilgrimage across there, sitting up at dawn and, you know, th- over there, even a threat of terrorism and flag around crying. Why? Because it's part of our heritage. You know, every, I'm tired of hearing with descendants of convicts and Ned Kelly. There is a positive side to it before, as well. These young men... You know, virtually, I believe that Anzac spirit—it's touched not only our nation, but virtually the world as well.
0: Well, Cole, you've certain, certainly written extensively about that Anzac spirit, and uh, re-releasing the Anzac spirit, and and tackling some of these issues we're talking about today—courage, mateship, sacrifice, and endurance—but uh, a bunch of other books that you've also written, and uh, just to highlight some of those, the Spirit of the Light Horse. Uh, of course, those very famous books, 800 Horsemen" and "Fighting Mackenzie," and I don't just say very famous just to uh, just to add some sort of adjective there, but voted so as Australia's uh, uh, all-time favourite books uh, by a survey that the ABC ran. And I think I, uh, I think they were the only other two books, other than the Bible, who were in that <laughs> top top one hundred list. So, so there is real uh, real. Uh, uh, benefit in reading those books. Uh, Col Stringer, thank you so much for being with us today here on 2020 sharing your heart about Anzacs. Thanks, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au and remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au